Welcome into Four Down Territory. I am Kyle Madsen, managing editor of the Niners Wire for USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me, as always, the wonderful Doug Farrar, the managing editor of the Touchdown Wire at the NFL Wire. Again, USA Today Sports Media Group. Doug, the preseason's over. Yes. The NFL, the regular season, it's not here, but it's very close. And it's right there. It's just in our reach. I know. It's right it's, it's so close. And so I can't close. wait to talk regular season football with you. But before we do that, we have to take a dive into some of the stuff that happened kind of over the offseason and something that threw a wrench into my life the <laughs> night of the 49ers preseason finale. Just three hours before the 49ers were due to kick off against the Los Angeles Chargers to finish up their preseason they traded Trey Lance to the Dallas Cowboys in exchange for a fourth round pick. So from, from your perspective, I'm super interested to get this as somebody that's not in the Bay area and not, you know, in the 49ers universe. Is there anything you, is there anything that you think the Niners could have done differently with this? And then on the other side, what's the best path to success for Trey Lance at, at now his second NFL home? Yeah, the first thing you say, I'm not surprised by it at all. I've been saying all along they're going to trade. I thought they would trade him in season, like before the deadline. I didn't think it'd be this quick, um, especially since he started to sort of look better as the preseason went along. Um, as far as how the 49ers handled it, I think it came down to what Shanahan wants in a quarterback. We discussed this last week and what he's willing to put up with. And as we have discussed before, and please feel free to disagree if you do, because you're there. Uh, Shanahan prefers a quarterback who will open his head, let all the coaching genius get poured in and execute the offense exactly the way it's supposed to be executed. Well, that's a lot of quick drops. It's a lot of get the ball out. Lance is a, I'll put this kindly, deliberate in the pocket. We've seen that. Mm -hmm. Uh, He needs to speed up his clock. It was a problem in college. It's a problem now. You know, we'll see. But it's not Lance's fault that he hasn't been a full-time starter at any level of football since 2019. It's not his fault that, as general manager John Lynch recently said, they really didn't draw up an offense this preseason that played the Lance's strengths. They were putting this offense together for Brock Purdy and Sam Darnold. So they knew that it was probably over. Lance is better off in a system where the development can take time. He's free from the pressure of being a third overall pick. And all the stuff they traded for him, that's gone. He's in Dallas. Dak is the absolute starter. And, you know, cap-wise, we'll see what happens in 2024. But he comes into a no-pressure situation. And the 49ers view themselves as legitimate Super Bowl contenders because they are. And they apparently didn't want the blurry lines of Lance on the bench the first time Purdy or Darnold has a bad game. Then all of a sudden, I mean, you know how this goes. You work, yeah. you're, you work for with us and you work in radio. So you get to see all sides of that particular insanity. Um, And this was one of those situations where it just, it wasn't anybody's fault. It just didn't work out for anybody, but the dolphins who turned the picks they got in the land straight into Tyree kill Jalen Waddle and Bradley Chubb. Yeah. Yeah. Um, As far as the best path for uh, Trey Lance, avoid Mike McCarthy at all costs. (laughs) Just no eye contact. Lance goes from the most dominant offensive play caller in his era in Kyle Shanahan to McCarthy and offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer. I know Shotty a bit. Nice guy. Not really an expansive play designer per se. No matter how you slice it, that's a serious downgrade. Maybe Dak Prescott can call the plays for him as Dak did for Will Greer, who we'll be talking about more in a minute. Um, You know, the coach bashing aside, I think Lance just needs – He needs a new home, which he has, with a long runway. I don't want to say this is like Josh Rosen over. I don't want to call him a bust because we don't know. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I, I think the first part of that question, what the 49ers could have done differently, they could have made hit Trey Lance the backup quarterback instead of Sam Darnold and just avoided this whole mess. But they're still touting, like, this is what I can't wrap my head around. So they were willing to bet on him as the starter in 2022. They expected to be in Super Bowl contention last year as well. They were willing to make him the starter in 2022 and work through the growing pains. Mm -hmm. He got one start in Chicago and then got hurt on the first drive against Seattle. Yep. They said he needed to play games. He needed those game reps. And now they're not even now they're not even willing to bet on him as their backup in 2023. That that doesn't that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't I don't get why and they're and they're talking about they still believe in his upside. They still think he's going to become a great player. John Lynch is talking about he made leaps and bounds in an offense that was designed for for Brock Purdy this year. That that if that so either they're lying, which okay, sure, maybe they're lying. But if they're telling the truth, then I don't understand why why they wouldn't make him the backup quarterback and and why they so, were were so eager to trade him. They were even eager to trade him this offseason. Yeah. Like they had talks with the Vikings at, 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 at the combine. So I, I I think there's a lot of things that Niners could have done differently. If it was me, I would have just started him in 2021 and let it rip from there. If you're going to push your chips in, uh, just do it all the way. On the other hand, it's kind of tough to argue from the 49ers perspective because they've been to two NFC title games since they drafted him. Yep. So it's a huge disaster for sure. The if the Niners never win a Super Bowl under John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, this move will be a huge reason why, because of all the capital that they gave up. And oh, it'll be a today in the failure narrative. Yeah, a, a thousand percent. So if they go win a Super Bowl with Brock Purdy this year, though, everything's forgiven. It goes down as a as a swing and a miss, but not the end of an era. And uh, and you know, I think they'll be judged accordingly once once their tenure in san francisco is over as for trey lance I, I don't think dallas is a great spot for him no they have dak prescott they have cooper rush and i know cooper rush is not anything to write home about but he won games for them last year he's been entrenched as their backup he is exactly what you want your backup quarterback to be where if he needs to spot start for three games your offense is going to take a step back but you can still win a game with him at quarterback so i think the niners sent trey lance to a place where he's going to be qb3 again yeah and you know that that's good the Niners got took the best offer they have to do what's best for the team but they're out here talking about how Lance wanted to go somewhere where he was going to be the backup but they wanted to give him a good opportunity I just don't think Dallas is is going to be a good opportunity for him what whatsoever so for Lance it's hope Mike McCarthy gets fired and maybe work your way into that backup role and maybe if Dak's unavailable you get to play but I don't see a path forward for him in in Dallas at, at all well, the reason I don't want a faith in Mike McCarthy, I've been writing about the limitations of McCarthy's passing game since 2014 when I was at Sports Illustrated. So it's been <laughs> almost a decade. And he hasn't called plays since, I think, 2018. Right. Um, the the Matt Flynn six touchdown game, actually Aaron Rodgers called the plays because it was a meaningless game against the Lions, and apparently Flynn audible out of, like, all of them. So <laughs> it was kind of anarchy. I think overall, the, I mean, what Lynch said about Lance was in a system that wasn't really designed for him at all. Mm -hmm. I go back to something I've heard a lot. Coaches can say all they want about what they think of their players. It's how their players are deployed mm -hmm. and, and what they're given that tells you mm -hmm. what they really think of them. And I think coming into the, even this preseason, I think they were like, you know what? We took a swing. 
this is not working. I don't know yep. why, but it, it clearly from the 49ers perspective, the Trey Lance thing was over. It was not working for whatever reasons. Um, and I've gone into what I think those reasons are ad nauseum. So I won't do it again. Cause I just did it. Um, I, that's where it was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tend to agree with you and, and trying to hold John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan accountable, which has been a big talking point uh, nationally. It, the, the team is still one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl. So it's really hard because it's a tough, it was a horrible trade up and draft pick for the 49ers. It is a mess from top to bottom. No sugarcoating it. It was a bad trade and a bad pick. On the other hand, they're a Super Bowl favorite. So nobody's going to get fired over this. And we'll see long-term over the next three, four years, just how, just how far that, that ripple effect goes. Let's talk about something that's not Trey Lance. Over at Touchdown Wire, <laughs> you're unleashing your top 101 players list. It's one of my favorite things that, that you do. You do so much good work, but your your top 101 players list is is one of my favorite things. Well, thank um, you. And by the way, Trey Lance is not in there, just so we... Oh, just missed the cut. Dang. Uh, 102, I heard. No. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so it, there's always some interesting debate and you know hashtag fodder as you put in put in Slack. Uh, let's take quarterbacks out of the equation. Okay, we're yeah. we're removing all, all, all the quarterbacks. From we the talked league. enough about quarterbacks. Jeez. So much quarterback talk. Who in your mind is the best non-quarterback on offense in the NFL right now? Well, spoiler alert: I have the first of four of the lists up now. It's 101 through 76. I will tell you that the best non-quarterback offensive player on the list, which you'll see on Thursday, is Vikings receiver Justin Jefferson. And it really wasn't all that close. Remember when Jefferson came out of LSU in 2020 and a lot of analysts had him pegged as a slot receiver only? Yep. Oops. By the way, Mark Schofield, who was with us in the Rights for SB Nation, uh, wrote an article stating exactly the opposite. Actually, he's a dominant outside receiver. Points for Mark, who we all know is awesome. Uh, Jefferson's combination of route correctness, speed off the snap, and physical geometry, by that I mean how he uses his body to create short area openings, is unparalleled in the league among receivers, and it makes him the NFL's toughest receiver to cover on a consistent basis. When you add in the contested catch acumen, I don't know how you cover this guy. Yeah. I mean, the, the, there was one kind of play I saw that was uncoverable last year where he would run a straight vertical route, the cornerback had to commit to the vert, and then Jefferson would run that in cut at 15 yards, over, go home, d- take your guys off the field. Because it, Jefferson has the rare ability to cut at the same speed at which he runs. Mm. Go in your backyard and try and do that. And no, thanks. I'm not responsible for your hospitalization. Um, <laughs> and those poor cornerbacks are just left eating his dust, and that's why I think he's the most dominant offensive non-quarterback in the NFL. And like I said, it's, uh, it's pretty much him on a list of one. I said, I said before that draft that I thought Justin Jefferson was the best receiver in a very good receiver class, and he has now elevated to maybe the best receiver in in, in the NFL. Yeah, there's the way I I liken his route running to I'm going to go cross sport here to when Kyrie Irving dribbles. Mm-hmm. It's like it looks a little bit different than anybody else doing it. And that's when Justin Jefferson is running his routes. It looks like he's making it up as he goes. And that's just got to be so difficult for, for corners to, to defend. And then all the stuff that you just laid out, I, I would tend that's to agree another with good you. Point. He's very good at disguising his tells. He doesn't give the mm-hmm. cornerback a lot of information. That's important. 
Yeah, he is he is excellent, and I don't disagree with you. Justin Jefferson is is the best non quarterback offensive player in the NFL. But for the sake of a, the bit here, I'll pick somebody else, knowing that it's not necessarily the right answer. So uh, pretty good. Honorable mention to 49ers left tackle Trent Williams, mm-hmm. who maybe a couple years ago I might have been more inclined to to put him up here, but he's he's aging out a little bit. Uh, but I'm gonna go with Travis Kelsey. Yeah. And and again, that's no disrespect to to any of the other really great offensive players, but there's an, this air of inevitability with Kelsey at this point. So since 2014, he's never had fewer than 67 catches in a season. Yeah. He's had fewer than five touchdown catches once since 2014. And over the last seven years, he's gone over a thousand receiving yards in every single one of them. He's averaging 103 catches, 1,318 yards, and nine touchdowns per 17 games. It's not just how dominant he is, it's how dominant he's been for a decade. And you just know, it, going into a game against Travis Kelsey, he's going to have seven catches and 100 yards and probably a touchdown, and he can pencil it in. He's impossible to cover. Defenses have to change how they defend the Chiefs because of Travis Kelsey. So if I'm if I'm picking non quarterback non Justin Jefferson, I, I think I'm picking Kelsey. The thing about Kelsey that's become interesting the last few years, um, he's not as like vertically explosive as he used to be, but that happens. Um, I got to watch tape with him a couple of years ago, and he talked about the what they call the Chiefs call it the Butch technique, where the edge rusher will actually go out of his edge responsibility to just beat Kelsey up at the line of scrimmage. And if you mm-hmm. watch the Super Bowl that the Chiefs lost to the Buccaneers. Like uh, every time Kelsey came out of his route, it was Levante David's responsibility to just go total Joe Frazier on him the whole time. So not <laughs> only is he doing all this stuff where maybe he's not as fast and you know the, the escapability maybe isn't what it was, but he's getting beaten up on every play. Like they will mm-hmm. assign a guy to just beat him up the line of scrimmage because what else are you going to do? Um, he is The thing that stands out to me about Kelsey – and when Dalton Kincaid came out in this draft, went to the Bills, I kind of saw the same thing. Kelsey will destroy zone coverage better than any tight end I've ever seen. He mm-hmm. will just know exactly inherently, okay, you're running three buzz, you're running three under, you're running three match, whatever it is. He'll read what kind of zone you're running and just know the void is here, the void is here. I'm just going to run up. I'm going to sit here and let Patrick Mahomes throw me the ball. And that works out pretty well. It's easy. It's easy. And in that in that game against Tampa Bay that you mentioned where Kansas City lost 31 to 9, 15 targets, 10 catches, 133 yards for Travis Kelsey. He still got it. I mean, they, <laughs> you can you can assign your whole offense to him, which they kind of did, or the whole mm-hmm. defense to him, which they kind of did, and he'll still get his 10 for 130 and whatever. That's that's who he is. Yeah. All right, so so and to take that to its logical extreme here, who's the best defensive player in the NFL today? Kyle, the Chiefs have a problem. I was going to say non-quarterback, but it, yeah, it, non, the, the best. <laughs> I think Josh Allen could be a pretty good linebacker. Patrick Mahomes, I, definitely. Tra- Trey Lance, can he play some safety? Yeah, could be. Um, maybe they should have investigated that before they traded him. Anyway, uh, Chiefs defensive lineman Chris Jones, who may be out for a while and does not give him the new contract he's happy with. Uh, right now. Four-year, $80 million contract he's playing on. He's the ninth-highest-paid interior defensive lineman on a per-year mm. basis. There is not a planet on which that makes sense. The Chiefs are going to find it out the hard way if Jones is off the field and all of a sudden opposing blockers don't have to double or triple him. You see him triple-teamed a lot. It's like him and Aaron Donald get that. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo may start a GoFundMe at, at that point. Um, Jones has been a force multiplier in Spags' defenses for a while. 2022, though, he kicked it up to a different level. This is 90% of the time inside. 17 sacks, 17 quarterback hits, 63 quarterback hurries, and 35 stops. Nobody in the NFL who was throwing their way to deposing blockers from the inside was better than Jones last year. And all I can say is get the man his money because that dude is, I mean, when I ranked my defensive tackles, my interior defensive linemen, the, the one thing I knew was he's number one. That's it. I mean, yes, uh, Aaron Donald, yes, uh, Dexter Lawrence, who was my number two, but Jones is just, he's raised his game to an entirely different level. And the Chiefs said, you know, it's time. Yeah, he's been he's been very good for a while now. But he's just elevated his game beyond. Well, when they beat any, the 49ers, he should have been the MVP. I totally agree. Completely. Totally agree. I mean, you know, Mahomes threw, I think, two picks. And yep. I know it was like when Eli won those two MVPs and Justin Tuck should have gotten both of them. <laughs> the same deal. Yeah. Give the defensive, give the big guys some love is all I'm saying. I'm I'm with you, man. I I could go on to it. I have a whole thing about Chris Jones and him and him kicking rear end in that Super Bowl, but I, I will digress. So I hate that you get to answer all these first because you kind of just take the right answer. So with all due respect well, that's to because you're like, you get to be the host though. So you know Sure. Okay, that's that's fair. Yeah, I gotta defer to you. Uh so with all due respect to Aaron Donald, Nick Bosa, Miles Garrett, I'm gonna go with Cowboys linebacker Micah Parsons here. Mm-hmm. And I did not I'm gonna admit I did not like Parsons in the draft as an off-ball linebacker at all. And I frankly didn't think that an NFL team was going to have the wherewithal to utilize his skill set there, but also as just a really dominant pass rusher. Yeah. And what Dallas has done with him in there's to me there's two things that a defender can be and do. And that's that's dominate as a, as a pass rusher or mm-hmm. be really versatile. And Parsons is both of those things. Yep. And so again, there there might be better just pure edge rushers than him when you're talking Bosa or Garrett, but Bosa and Garrett can't do the off ball stuff that Micah Parsons can. And on top of that, he's still one of the elite, elite edge rushers in the league. So I I I if I'm picking somebody who's not Chris Jones, I think right now I'm circling Micah Parsons and and for me he's a great bet to be the defensive player of the year this year. Yeah. I mean I, I know Dan Quinn, their DC from his time up in Seattle. And the one thing I know about Dan is he will he will find the best guys in his front. So that's what he yep. did with, with Parsons. Certainly he's uh <clears throat> yeah, he's a game wrecker and uh he has to be in that discussion at all times. Yep. So by the time this video hits the internets, we'll know the names of a lot of players who unfortunately did not make final cuts and are not on fifty three man rosters. But which players who were under the radar made the best arguments this preseason to stick around and stay with their preseason teams, or if they get cut to, to get scooped up very quickly by another team. Uh, one guy on offense, one guy on defense on offense, Jake Bobo, the undrafted rookie receiver from UCLA. I did a little bit of tape work on him out of college. And I thought, okay, interesting. And then you don't get drafted. It was a big you know receiver group, uh, but he's become a folk hero up in my neck of the woods based on his preseason work with the Seahawks. The 12s might riot if he's cut. I mean, Bobo is now a thing up here. Um, and he did make a strong case for himself with seven catches on nine targets for 125 yards and two touchdowns. Of specific interest to me, go back and watch this play. 28-yard catch he had against the Cowboys because that was against the starters. And mm-hmm. Bobo just disassembled cornerback Deron Bland, who was one of my best slot corners on that, on that list, with this sick, sort of double slant go in the sluggo before he went vertical. 
Uh, Seattle's target share for receivers will be pretty packed with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and Jackson Smith and Jigba when Smith and Jigba is healthy. But I also know that Pete Carroll loves guys who come out of nowhere and prove the doubters wrong. <clears throat> and I would be shocked if Bobo gets a one-way ticket out of the Emerald City. On defense, I'll go with another undrafted rookie. And the more I mm. watch this guy, and then I went into his story, and I'm like, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. How did this guy not get drafted? And it turned mm. out I later discovered that he played at about 220 in college. So he got a lot of weight before the combine, didn't run well. But Caleb Murphy from Ferris State, which is the other reason he went to Ferris State, he was a small school guy. But, okay, 2022 season in which he set an NCAA single season record with 25.5 sacks and tied the NCAA record with 39 tackles for loss. Murphy became the first non-FBS player to win the Ted Hendricks Award, given annually to the best nation's best defensive end. He won the Gene Upshaw Award as the best lineman in Division II football and the Cliff Harris Award as the nation's best small college Jeez. defensive player. Kyle, when you win three awards named after three f- pro football Hall of Famers in one fell swoop, I don't care if you went to Raccoon State Teachers College. You can play. How this guy went undrafted, and, you know, there's not a lot of Ferris State tape lying around, but I found some, and he was obviously doing that in college. So Mm -hmm. the Titans take a flyer on him. (laughs) He had four sacks and three quarterback hurries on 50 pass rushing snaps. He was beating NFL tackles up throughout the preseason with bull rushes, swim moves, speed counters, Spin moves, like more technique than you see from a lot of guys coming out of college with much bigger names. Murphy is going to start for someone in the regular season, and don't be surprised if he flashes more often than not. I mean, just keep that name in mind. Raccoon State Teachers College, a football factory. Yes. Doug, do not do not disrespect uh, RSTC on, uh, on this program. <laughs> go, go Raccoons. So, so let's – I, I – I, I go back to the Cowboys quarterback room here. And how about Will Greer's preseason finale for Dallas, man? 29 to 35, 305 yards, two touchdowns. He had 122.0 passer rating. And so with the Lance trade we talked about earlier, plus Cooper Rush's history with that with that team, probably leaves Greer on the outside looking in at a roster spot. But in the preseason, he was good. Not just the last game. He was good in the, in the first couple games as well. I, I think it was good enough to at least make a case to stay in Dallas ahead of ahead of Rush. They're not going to obviously keep him over over Lance, but he I think he made a case in Dallas. And if Dallas doesn't keep him, there are teams who need quarterback depth badly who should absolutely be looking Greer's way. Well, as when, far as uh, I know, they basically wire. told him, "Yeah, we we traded for Lance. You're kind of cut. Go audition for your future." That's they, well, that's what they set him up to do. So, yeah, and and know. I I yeah. think he did that, and I, I think he's going to get scooped up by by a team that needs some quarterback depth. On the defensive side, I'm a big fan of defensive ends with traits. You know, big, long arms, enough athleticism, and that's Colts defensive end Khalid Kareem, six four, two seventy. He's got plenty of length. And enough athleticism, I think, to play real NFL snaps. Injuries have kind of derailed his career a little bit. He was a fifth-round pick of the Bengals in 2020. He played 16 games for them that year, but since then has has not gotten to double-digit games in, in any of the two seasons since. So he's finally healthy. And in the preseason this year with the Colts, he goes 10 tackles. He had a, he had three sacks, one in each of, of their preseason games. And good motor, good size, good length. I don't know that he's going to be like a starting six, seven, eight sack type of defensive end, but I think he's a really good depth piece, especially for a team with a good defensive line just looking for some depth. I, I think Kareem could not only help Indianapolis, but I think he would help any team if if he does get cut. So 
Uh, he's a player that I'm going to keep a pretty close eye on this year because I would love to see a, a bounce back from him. Kind of tweener size is 6'4", 268. Um, he's got some bull rush. He's got some nice power. He can shake a guy and move him around. He's not, a, I mean, I don't know about like a pure speed end right. thing, but certainly, you know, with the Colts or something, I would say in, like a five man front, I could see him winning as an end in, in the, and right. you know, the Eagles do that. The, the Patriots do that. Um, yeah. He's, he's shown a lot, 11 total pressures in the preseason and good for him. Yeah. So love to see, love to see guys who are banged up bounce back and, and get healthy and, and contribute. And I definitely think he's the kind of player that gets a sack for Philly in the Super Bowl. Right. And the broadcast is like, Oh, under the radar edition after that. That's kind of what I, what I envision for, for Khalid Kareem. So, uh, that's going to do it for our, our preseason recap and our, our dive onto some of the best non quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, Doug, I cannot wait to get back to this for the regular season. Yes. But we'll have some, we'll have something for you next week. So make sure to tune into four down territory. Real football is here. Everybody. Real football is here. Until next time. That's Doug. I'm Kyle. See ya.